With an architectural background and a decade of small business experience, design guru and entrepreneur Alan Warburg resides in Lexington, Kentucky. You'll find that community and value are both driving factors in his entrepreneurial and creative pursuits. Awesome Inc. presents the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame, a show that highlights how people throughout the Commonwealth of Kentucky pursue their definition of awesome through entrepreneurship, technology, and innovation. Mr. Alan Warford, it is a pleasure having you in our space at Awesome Inc. today and catching up because you've been someone who's been a constant friend of my life, but also it's been cool to see you branch out and do a ton of stuff. And that is one thing entrepreneurs do very well. They have their hands in many pots. So Alan, uh, I would love for the people who don't know you to get a quick background on what you do, how you ended up in Lexington, and how have you become a member in Lexington's entrepreneurial community? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, so a little bit of what I do right now, I actually uh, work over at a squad of coffee shops. Um, it's called A Cup of Commonwealth, and we also have a sister store called Chocolate Holler. Uh, so do a lot of like branding stuff over there, marketing stuff over there, and I'm also in executive management. Um, a little bit about my background, I actually grew up in good old Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, so uh, the home of a lot of bourbon distilleries and a couple McDonald's. Um, but yeah, I actually grew up on a farm there, uh, raising tobacco, and then actually ended up coming to Lexington because I got accepted into the uh, into the College of Design and the Architecture program. So I um, ended up making the move up here. I've been here for almost 10 years now. And then uh, when I was in college and even a little bit removed afterwards, I just like always had some type of small business running. Um, that's kind of something that I was used to back in Lawrenceburg with being a farmer. Uh, and then whenever I got to college, I started DJing. Um, I've kind of almost always had something little going, and then that just easily applied to after I graduated uh, to into being into the small business world. So That is awesome to hear, and <laughs> it's been cool being your friend for, I guess, what, the last five yeah. years, and just seeing how you've always been apt to doing literally anything, so yeah. that's super encouraging. I, I remember you, and you were a little freshy. Yeah, I know, when I was then, 18. Man, it's crazy. It time, time flies. Time flies. <laughs> so what would you say was the defining moment that really started your career with getting into the coffee shop business and specifically working and pouring into a cup of Commonwealth. Yeah. So um, it's actually a little bit funny because I uh, I actually started doing stuff. Uh, I was actually like a freelance designer for a cup of Commonwealth. So I did all their like anniversary posters and then some like t-shirts and other like apparel and things like that. And I was actually doing it. Uh, we were trading for coffee. So I literally would do the work <laughs> in exchange for coffee um, while I was doing freelance stuff for other people. Um, and in the midst of just getting to know them really well and doing work for them, um, I became pretty good friends with Sal. Um, and Sal's actually the founder um, of A Cup of Commonwealth. Uh, and then right before Chocolate Holler opened, which is a sister store, um, it kind of made sense uh, to kind of come on board. And so I came on board as uh, the marketing director, so to build the marketing department, because there wasn't a marketing department at the time. Okay. Um, but also uh, to kind of help open up Chocolate Holler and start like building that as well. So. Um, that's kind of how I entered the scene, first uh, kind of bartering for coffee and then uh, into management ultimately. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I've known you and that's kind of cool to hear that your journey went from freelancing to making a friend to, <laughs> hey, I'm going to totally just create a solution to a problem that I see that you don't recognize. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, fun question. What okay, is the I'm most on. impressive drink you can create? Ooh, 
Um, I make a I make a pretty mean uh, cup of water. Um, so artis artisanal, uh, handcrafted water. Um, it's my specialty. Uh, that, that was a joke for everyone else. Um, no, I would say um, we'll say a cappuccino. So something simple, two shots of spro, some steam milk. So um, that we'll say that that's impressive. I like that. Okay, cool All beans. Right. Cool beans. No, speaking no pun intended. Of, speaking, speaking of, cool of beans. beans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> speaking of beans. Magic beans. Alan, there is no question about how impactful your team has been within our community, both just welcoming people in. If they're passing you on the street or on the road, they'll yell at you and give you some love. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. People know you guys for great coffee, an accepting environment, and just being uh, a place to gather with friends. So can you speak into what a couple of Commonwealths and the sister company, Chocolate Hollers, core values are and how they continue to shape your business? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's a very good, very good question. Um, we're actually a mission-based company, so, um, and we operate off of a mission statement. So our mission statement is embrace community, serve others, and create culture. And if you walk in either of the shops, you'll notice that that's one of the first things you see painted on the wall um, at a cup of Commonwealth or at Chocolate Holler. Um, is that mission statement. So, um, and that mission statement is not just something that's like a marketing tactic. It's not just something that sounds good. Um, it is actually uh, a statement of who we are and what we actually believe in. So those values don't just exist because it's a business and it's you know a good tactic or a good you know feel good thing. It's actually, those are values we believe in. So um, embracing community is just embracing the community that's around you. So whether it is you know someone who a businessman coming downtown or um, uh, a mom walking her her kids or um, some kids from the neighborhood over at East End or a college student studying like or a homeless person coming by like whoever it is we want to embrace them uh, we want to serve others uh, so that's just something that we want to put others before ourselves and then in hopes of doing those things we actually are creating a culture of uh, inclusion a culture of love um, and so that's kind of how we see things on our end. It's more than just words. It's actually like who we are and what we believe. That is powerful. Uh, yeah. And again, I think one of the coolest ways you guys show that is in both stores, on the walls, mm-hmm. in big, bold letters. Yeah. It says, <laughs> embrace community, serve others, and create culture. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. One, and one thing that I think has been just very inspiring, uh, just knowing you guys and being in your spaces, mm-hmm. is you do a huge job uh, and focus a lot of energy on creating community. And mm-hmm. I would love for you to talk into that because a lot of companies lack that. They, they lack the personal relationships of, hey, we're known for this. We want to be known as a place you know, that we're welcoming or mm-hmm. you know, fill in the blank. So can you talk about maybe how you've grown mm-hmm. in, in trying to help establish the community mm-hmm. or how you've... Uh, yeah, just how, you, how you've grown in the sense that we, we want people to know they are welcome here mm-hmm. without, without anything that they need from us or just mm-hmm. without any means. Yeah, for sure. No, I would say that the community portion of things is it's super important. It's vital. It's like, a, it's like the, the hinge pin. Um, so uh, I would say like one of the things that we try to do at the shops is, uh, or even when we're describing uh, a cup of Commonwealth or a chocolate holler, uh, we like to describe them as like a living room. It's almost like you're walking into a living room. And so, um, and if you know that feeling when you're walking into your living room at your parents' house or your grandparents' house or whatever, it's that like welcoming feeling of like, oh, I'm home. And so I think the thoughts for the shop is that we want to create an atmosphere for people to feel home away from home. Uh, and some people have that elsewhere. They might be, have that on campus somewhere. They might have good friends that they have, you know, houses they can go to. And some people might not. And so we hope that like uh, we can create the shops as a 
a place for people to feel at home. Um, and I would say that from the community aspect for me personally, kind of like how I've grown in that or what I've learned, uh, if you ask almost any of the baristas, uh, like what they're favorite part like why do you like working at cup like well you know um a lot of the times it's oh i love the people that i work with and i love the customers uh getting to know them on a personal basis and um it really is all about the community aspect of things so um so the people component uh, of any business um should be you know the most important part because we're all people and we all connect and um you know every business can have good coffee every business can have good you know, enter X, Y, Z, whatever. Um, but the people component is, I think, truly like the most important part of that. So, um, yeah, so I've grown a ton in that. It's the shop has taught me a whole lot. Uh, the people, uh, the customers uh, have taught me so much. There's a, a group of guys who comes in in the morning. Um, there's like six guys from like anywhere from mid 50s to like 85. And they all met actually in the shop and became best friends because they came in. Uh, just like one after the next and then they sat at the same table and just started talking and then now like remove five and a half years They're all like really good friends and the stories you hear from people like that. They grow you too. So um, So it's more than what we're doing. It's also what the community is giving back to us. So um, so I've grown a ton in that I have no comment all, yet. That all, was, all the feels that's sweet. Yeah, no, that, that's just cool to see Is that uh, is that Mike Sullivan and all those guys? Uh, yeah, like the, the whole squad. So good old Mike, Don, Dan, Cappuccino Dan So there's a lot of I people love that. coming Alan, before we head over and start talking about Chocolate Holler and future uh, opportunities <laughs> I would love to know what is one of the most fruitful experiences that you've, you've gained from working with some of the people Who've been around there for years And then what are maybe some of the most... Uh, challenging experiences that really opened your eyes into the business mm, so fruitful and challenging mm, fruitful and challenging man as i stroke my beard you can't capture that on a podcast um yeah um so i would say fruitful it will touch a little bit down on what i just had talked about but the people uh i think that for me business i've never really been in a business um, or started a business or been a part of ownership of business in the service industry specifically um where you're encountering people every day, like, you know, 200 to 300 people. And um, so to me, like the people portion has been the most powerful. Uh, it's been the thing that like has changed me the most, that I've loved the most, that I've been, um, yeah, that I, I just have been like embraced into a community that was already established, um, got to uh, have been a part of that community as a customer before, uh, and then ultimately uh, get to see people, two to 300 people a day as you're interacting with them. So I'd say the people portion has been, uh, the most powerful in terms of the most difficult um, it's crazy because uh, the service industry is just it's a crazy place so it's a lot I think a lot of the things that I had been used to had been kind of like solo or duo operations that were a lot smaller so um, so in terms of this family of businesses we have two coffee shops and then we have a coffee roaster there's just a ton of different people who are coming in every day which is a lot more to manage um, there are a lot more employees, so there's about 30 something of us. Um, so that's a lot more to manage on the people or on the management side of things. Um, and I think that they're just a lot bigger operations. So it has been like um, challenging, but in an awesome way. Um, that process of like growing. So like coming from one shop with four walls to two shops to a roaster to potentially more. That process of growth has been very, very challenging. I think one word that sums up what you just said very well is is delegation. Mm -hmm. So how is, again, coming from someone who's been a freelance designer, <laughs> you are a one-man power team. And I, <laughs> I can say that because I know you very well. How has delegation helped you grow 
uh, as, a, as an entrepreneur, as a way that you work with people, like what's been, what's been the, the most beneficial aspect of mm-hmm. being okay with delegation? Yeah, for sure. No, I'd say that that's like a huge thing that we, we've all had to realize and grow in over the span of multiple years is um, doing the things that we are best delegated to do. So um, for people who, um, I don't know, who are in exec level doing what you need to do, for people who are in uh, management level doing what you need to do in operations and marketing and HR and finance and all the different uh, departments that we've built, we've built up those departments so that those departments can specialize in what they're doing. Um, and for me, being someone who wants to like, you know, being a part of small operations and touch a little bit of everything, um, I think it's fine to like know a little bit of everything, but you really do have to get to a spot where you're okay with people failing in their respective departments so that they can learn and grow. Um, and that's something that even as I stepped on, I was delegated stuff that I got to fail in and like grow in. And so for me being a part of a bigger operation, it definitely was something that like I had to fail a ton in, but I learned because of that um, over the span of a few years. And so it's been a process, uh, but definitely a good thing to also learn that on the management end of things of you have to let relinquish control uh, for something to truly grow. Um, so if you want growth in your company, you have to learn that relinquishing control and letting people fail. Uh, Sal always says fail fast and fail often, and that comes from someone else down the line who said it. But um, you have to let let other people fail uh, or at least give them the chance to succeed. And if that happens, then they'll grow from that. So um, something that I am still learning. Uh, every, we all are. Every, every single day. Yeah. So not saying that I'm a, I'm a professional at that, but definitely something I've learned. Yeah, that's very encouraging. And I know yeah. one thing that's, that's cool in our respective worlds is we, we are encouraged to fail in mm-hmm. most areas of life and, and in business. Mm-hmm. That isn't the case. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool that you're talking about learning mm-hmm. how to fail just because that's an important way to grow. Yeah, absolutely. So going from talking about failures, what is easily, other than people, because we know you love people and they're so important, mm. what is the best part of your job and what is the most difficult on a regular basis? Um, so I mentioned a little bit about the people component, but other than that, I would say practically from like a job realm, um, it's cool for me to, so I got a degree in architecture uh, and a ton of what I do, at least right now, is more on the branding side. So if we were a C-suite, I'd be more like the chief branding officer. Okay. So getting to capture like basically like being like the brand, you know, um, being in charge of that and like being able to speak to people like what each individual company stands for and what their brand looks like and what the, um, the voice and the vision of who they are is. I think that like it's been cool for me to practically plug my experience in design uh, to a company. So it's given me like a practicality that maybe I haven't had in other uh, companies that I've uh, been a part of or in other freelance stuff where I'm just kind of like branding something and creating it for them with their vision and then passing it on. In this, I'm actually a part of it. So it's been that's been a really, really cool thing to, um, to be a part of the companies from a customer point of view, come in as the marketing director and essentially get to like brand different things like Chocolate Holler got to do all the branding and interiors for that. Um, and then ultimately like push it toward the future and saying, here's what our voice is. So it's been really cool to be a part of that process. Um, and then I think from the lens of like, what's the hardest part, not from a people point of view. Um, it's just, it's just like, I think it's simply just growing, like knowing that I don't know everything and being someone who is a grab everything 
and do-it-yourself person, I realize that there is a long process of growth in that. So um, I think it has been a little bit difficult, but also really cool to just fail myself and to, uh, to learn that you, there's, a, there's a process of getting there, that I'm not going to achieve everything that I'm going to quote-unquote achieve um, immediately. Like there's a process of growth getting there. I love that the most difficult thing for you is actually one of the best parts of, of what you get to do. And yeah. It's just grow. I mean, it is frustrating in the long run, but mm-hmm. it's also, no, it is frustrating in the moment, but it's so fruitful and mm-hmm. helpful in the long run. Yeah. So it, you may, oh, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> it's like a lot of the answers are like, this is my favorite thing, but this is also the thing that's most difficult. So yeah. they kind of line up. Yeah, they, they go hand in hand. Yeah. So you mentioned Chocolate Holler briefly. You talked about doing the interior design, the branding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to revisit that. And feel free to mention your other company because that wasn't that wasn't <laughs> technically in here, but I think that would yeah. be cool for you to share about that as well. Yeah. So when did when and how did Chocolate Holler just come into the mix? What was the need for you guys to say, hey, I think we need a second store? Mm-hmm. You know, fill in the blank. I, I don't know actually yeah. a lot of that story. For sure. So um, so this cup was thinking about expanding and growing. Um, the thought was, what way can we grow in a way that's not cookie cutter and that's not the same as a lot of shops might grow. Um, so for us, we looked at the coffee industry and then also looked at a, you know, a neighboring industry in the chocolate world um, and realized that like chocolate right now is about 10 years behind where the coffee specialty coffee industry is, so specialty chocolate is still on the up and up. So I think we realized the similarities in those industries, but also realized that it's a little bit different. And so we could open up the coffee component, but have a focus on chocolate and that that would provide something different for Lexington. So, um, so that was kind of like conversations that were happening on the company side of things. Um, and then for me specifically, I had been um, talking with Sal right in the midst of those conversations and in the midst of growth. And as we were planning and scheming for the future, um, that was right along the time that Hollow was getting ready to like find a location to open. So I actually came on board uh, right before then to kind of help get the shop opened up and then plug other side company. Um, I was doing woodworking um, and still am doing woodworking through my other company, Craft Goods. And that's kind of like where the practical, you know, building the tables, getting everything on the interiors portion. It, w- it was almost like a merger of new position at a cup of Commonwealth and also this business that me and my friend had started uh, doing woodworking stuff. So um, so there's hopefully there has been a marriage over that over the last couple of years, um, but still excited to see what the future uh, has in store with everything. Yeah, that's cool. It, it's cool to, to see and hear from your perspective mm-hmm. just how that formed because as from the outside, you're like, oh, that's so cool. Of course they're doing all this stuff together, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool because your experience through your eyes is going to be different than people who are just uh, who are watching from the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, location. Yes. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know, Chocolate Holler is literally what a block <laughs> a block away from it's the like, Commonwealth. It's like 150 yards, probably something like that. So what was the what was the reasoning for choosing that location? Yeah. So we we actually joke sometimes that we opened up our own competition right across the street because um, we kind of did. Uh, but I think we had we had looked at quite a few different spots and hadn't really found any that fit well um, in terms of like either like I don't know we're, we're not the like we're not sold that something has to be on an amazing busy thoroughfare to be successful. Like I yeah. think that if you create a contagious business culture that people will come see you. Or we don't believe you have to have parking. We don't have a parking lot for 
really cup at all. It's just street parking. And for Holler, we have four spots. So we really do believe that people will come if you build a really cool culture. Um, but I think for that spot, it was honestly just super simple. Like we had looked at a bunch of places. It didn't make sense. Um, I had hopped on board and then an opportunity came up and it was um, same landlord as we had. It was going to be a pretty quick turnaround. And I think that that was really um, not something that we necessarily had planned for, but something that made sense at the time. So we just made kind of like a split second decision to execute quickly. Um, and for people who don't know, we actually had a meeting the day after Christmas on the 26th of December that said, hey, let's start doing this. And we actually opened January 25th. So we opened up and executed did all the work for Holler within 30 days. That is a quick turnaround. It is a quick turnaround. Wow. So that's, it's kind of nuts to, and I don't think a lot of people knew that. I think it was almost like a fluke when around like New Year's, we were like, hey, we have a chocolate shop on the way. And then it actually opened up on the 25th. We had a lot of people say we didn't believe you guys um, or like that that was possible. So, so I think a lot of the location was the ease of being able to have two shops really close so that if you know, to talk one another up and to kind of like benefit off of, you know, the, the community we had at Cup, but also what we could build at Holler. The fact that they were different enough to exist on their own, um, but also a location thing and, and a time thing with the fact that we can get this open quickly and we can kind of build from there. So, yeah. Nuts. <laughs> Alan, that is... That's cool. Yeah, I did not even know that was mm -hmm. <laughs> how Chocolate Holler came, came about. That's sweet. Yeah. So we've, we've, we've danced around this very much with talking about people and the community you guys have, but I want to revisit this and frame it in a different way. So what's the story? You know, what's the why behind A Cup of Commonwealth and what have you guys been telling and living out to the community for the, the you know, the last, what, 10 years, five years? It's been, it's been, five it's been years. like, it'll be almost six in almost July. Almost six. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's been the story behind that? Yeah, for sure. I would say that it's gonna sound like a broken record. Um, and I think that this is funny, like anytime we talk to people, it really is like, we say the same things and not because it's like easy, but simply that's just because who we are. So the, I think the story that Cup is trying to tell is our mission statement. It is to embrace the community around you, uh, to serve others and to create a culture um, of, of service and of love. And uh, so I really do think that the heartbeat of a cup of Commonwealth and of our family of businesses is to like love and to serve and to embrace and to um, really value the community that you're in. So um, a big, there's a, some powerful stories that get told a lot on like Sal's end um, of when Cup was founded, um, but a lot of what happened to a cup of Commonwealth within the first six months even um, and how the community ended up teaching us about what we believe more than what I think we knew. Um, so Cup actually, Time for a hopefully a little quick story. Um, Please, lay it on us. All right, lay it on us. All right. Uh, so there was actually a, a break-in in December after a cup of Commonwealth had opened. So it opened in July of 13. And then a break-in happened in December where uh, people uh, broke in, stole the cash register, stole like, like the money in it um, and everything. And so uh, overnight, basically, uh, Sal and um, all the baristas that were there had kind of like been there overnight. They boarded up the, the, the window. We're just kind of hanging out. And then they had to leave. And the person who was working was basically like, hey, like, what do we do? We don't have any money. And they were just like, well, just give the drinks away because uh, we just told them we don't have any change. And so basically what happened, long story short, uh, the first, second, and third customer, when they went to give them the drinks, they ended up giving them like $20 bills, $10 bills, and just telling them to keep it. 
And then like later on, someone brought like an envelope of cash. Um, and then later on, a kid ran down from the neighborhood and said, hey, I don't have any money, but I've got a piggy bank. You guys can start keeping this in. Um, and then so you just basically like what we had we saw with Cup was that we were a company that had not even been open for six months, but that the community in Lexington embraced us and served us and loved us um, without even knowing who we were. And so I think that that kind of like breathed a little bit more solidity uh, and life into what that mission statement was uh, for us to do the same for other people. Um, and so I just think that like the big portion of things, it is the mission statement, embrace community, serve others, create culture. That is the heartbeat of our shops. That's the why uh, specific to that. And I think that that means different things for each person. Um, but we hope that like that can be an identifier for other people uh, so that they figure out the specifics of their why as well. That's so unfortunate that you guys got broken into, you know, six months into starting. But what's cool is the tradition you keep alive every December. Would you mind sharing that real quickly? Because the community was so amazing to us, uh, every year when we come around uh, to December, we actually give away free drinks on the day that we got broken into. So we call it break-in day. So, break -in. Uh, which is really funny, <laughs> but we call it break-in day. And on break-in day, uh, we give free drinks at a cup of Commonwealth for anyone who comes in. And so that's kind of just like a little bit of a like thank you to the people who like embraced us and supported us when we got broken into so that we can give like a little bit back to the community. Um, so, and it's nothing to like toot our own horn. It's, it's strictly because like we love people and love that people embraced us when we were in a time of need. Uh, so we love doing like little things like That's that. That's sweet. What do you guys do present day to, to honor that? Okay. Yeah. So one of the things that we probably most practically have at the shops, which I think a lot of people know about is our pay it forward board. Um, so that's like something that happened on the foundation of the shop. Um, and it came from an idea, I believe a place in Texas and it was a buy your buddy a beer program. And, uh, so we had like a little board whenever cup first open and that board had, you know, free drink for whatever. And those drinks all came from people who bought shirts. So they were like, Hey, like when the shop first opened, it was like, Hey, if you buy a shirt, we'll give you a free drink. But all the people who bought shirts lived in Michigan or yeah. in contacts from where like all the founders had contacts from. And so basically what turned to a board turned to big paper sleeves because people caught on and were just like, oh, this is a really cool idea. And so what turned into a big uh, paper roll, a customer came in and said, hey, maybe you should write these free drinks on coffee sleeves and hang them on the wall. And they were like, that's a great idea, better than what we had thought. Um, another way the community just did something better than what we had intended. So, um, and then if you look now, we have you know, three walls full of probably a thousand plus drinks that other customers have bought for other people. So it's, and it's less about what we're doing and more about what the community is doing for one another. So, um, and those drinks are basically, you can redeem a drink for, you know, someone wearing a purple shirt or for someone who will high five everyone in the shop. Or uh, we had a grown man act like a chicken for 10 minutes to redeem a free drink. And we had someone jump in the fountain outside. Uh, or there's simple ones like, Hey, happy birthday from your friend. Like, so it's just been really cool to see the way that the community has poured out on, um, other people of the community. And I'd say it's less about what we're doing, but a cool thing to be like the host spot for that. So after, after hearing stuff like that, I just, like don't know how to respond <laughs> just cause it's inter internally, <laughs> internally, it makes me just smile and, uh, and it's like, man, yeah. pe people rock. Yeah, they do. So. They, they're, they're awesome. No pun intended. No pun intended. Oh, exactly. they're yeah. awesome, Inc. They're gotcha. awesome, Inc. <laughs> Alan, you have a very diverse skill set, and it's evident between starting your own woodworking company and how you have even incorporated that into 
helping you know start Chocolate Holler and and trick that place out because it's beautiful. <laughs> but what from like the entrepreneurial perspective? Just again, you you like to be involved with a lot. You like to have your hands in a lot of pots. Mm-hmm. What has been most helpful about knowing your story? Because knowing your story, you know, helps you sell. It helps you buy into whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Personally, for you, what has been most helpful in knowing? your story, whether it is with business or personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, you definitely have to know who you are before you know where you're going. Uh, and in the same way that people say, like, you have to have a goal for you to be able to know what goal you're going to achieve. Like, I really do think that you have to know who you are. And I think that a lot of times, I think me previously, um, I didn't know who I was and I was like chasing after, you know, things. And I think the business is exciting. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs will be chasing fulfillment in what they do. And I think that that is like a recipe for disaster, um, personally. Um, so for me, uh, it's, I had to know who I was and continue to, uh, to like dive into that before I actually felt success in what I was doing. So uh, on a personal note, not on a, cu- a cup of Commonwealth note, not on a business note at all, um, I found a lot of uh, the, who, the who portion of who I am uh, in my faith. And so I actually had a big moment in college where uh, I recognized that I was living very selfishly. And um, what I can basically just describe as an encounter with God uh, changed my perspective. And, uh, and so like creating things uh, from a business, land, uh, business mentality, uh, the way that I see God is God is the ultimate creator. And so out of that, I am made in his image to create and so I think a lot of uh, business, a lot of creativity, a lot of design, a lot of the things that I'm good at and that I love to do um, kind of changed whenever I got more serious about my faith because I saw the creation portion of that almost come alive immediately. And so um, that's the simple version of that. I'm sure we could talk for a couple hours, yeah, talk a couple hours. A couple hours about it. But, um, but on, a, on a legit note, uh, that is the driving force behind what I do. And um, I feel like God loves me enough to give me these opportunities. And so that is my uh, duty and honor, honestly, to get to love other people through the things that I'm doing. Man, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Th- thanks for sharing that. That's, yeah, that's abs- very encouraging. Absolutely. So yeah, taking that, again, yeah, like knowing, you knowing your personal story definitely carries over into everything else you do. Mm-hmm. So how do you see yourself continuing to play a role within Lexington's entrepreneurial community? Yeah, so I think that, uh, so I kind of feel a call uh, to the creative community in downtown Lexington sure, specifically. Sure. Um, and to the business world. And I don't think that it's really a specific call for a certain thing, but just more for this city. And I want to see this city uh, grow and succeed, and I want to see businesses thrive. And, um, and I think that I want to see, like, I think a lot of cool ideas and a lot of change comes from creati- creativity and, and people being creative with different ideas. So, uh, so for me specifically, I mean, we, we talked a little bit like I'm a part of uh, the coffee fam right now. And then I also have this side company uh, called Craft Goods, uh, where we do like a lot of like woodworking and design and construction type things. And uh, so hopefully for the future uh, and definitely for the future, it will be some <laughs> some combination of the two. Um, we actually have some fun things planned uh, for um, for growth for a cup of Commonwealth that also merge a little bit. Uh, with what we're doing at Craft Goods. Okay, cool. Um, and so hopefully I get to continue to feed that creative portion uh, a little bit more practically in, in the future. So I know that that's a little bit vague, but just know that there are some some fun things to come uh, in regards to that in the future. And I'm just kind of excited to see what that little merger will look like. When I say merger, I don't mean from a, 
a business lens. I mean, from a personal lens okay, cool beans. Of, of something that's going to come in the future. Well, hey, I'm excited for whenever this ambiguous, this ambiguous, ambiguous opportunity presents <laughs> yeah. itself. That's sweet. Yeah. Stay tuned. Maybe check back in about six months and okay. we'll, we'll talk again. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, yeah, Alan, just to wrap things up. Well, first of all, thank you so much. This has been, yeah. this has been a treat and Absolutely. it's always good getting the, uh, the inside scoop on what's yeah. going on. Um, yeah, last thing, again, we want to make sure that for anyone listening to this, that they're encouraged and they also know that whatever they want to do, they can do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as people who are entrepreneurs and we fully believe that by no impact, people who you know can really make an impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is some advice that you have for anyone interested in creating a culture and pursuing what they think is awesome through entrepreneurship or anything relevant to that area? Yeah. Um, so I think that a big, a big portion of that, I'm a big believer in, um, in action. So I think that a ton of people and a ton of creative people and, um, people who want to be entrepreneurs have really great ideas. Um, but I think that my advice would be, um, don't let your ideas just stay ideas. And so I think that, uh, a ton of people, uh, have great ideas, but don't actually execute to make something happen. And I think that's the difference between someone who is an entrepreneur and someone who like wants to be. And, um, and I don't say that in a way that's harsh. I think that people can learn that. Like you can learn through failure, um, but I think a lot of people want to uh, get their ideas perfected before they start doing something. And the truth is you have to do something. You have to do something about your vision. You have to do something about uh, these things that you want to accomplish. And then you learn from there. So my advice would be if you have something on your heart um, to build a community, if you have something on your heart uh, or an idea for a business, um, just do it. Like do your research and your preemptive things, but uh, don't wait for perfection to come when it's definitely not going to come. That's some solid advice. Yeah. So Sweet. thank you for sharing that. Yeah. No problem. Well, Alan, continue embracing community, serving others and creating culture because you guys do such a good job of that. We'll 100% do that. So thank you so much, man. It's All been, right. It's been let's, really go, cool. let's go grab an ice vanilla latte. Let's go grab an IVL. Sounds good. All right. All right. Well, that's it. We want to say thank you again so much for checking out the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame podcast. Special thanks to Lee Rosevere for the music that you hear in the show and to Lexington's Awesome Inc. for hosting us from their space. Again, I'm Garrett Farbach. Make sure to check back and tune in next time. We'll see you then.